Really quickly, this is the soundbite that we joined or we jumped off with this whole series the last couple of weeks was for I can do everything. This is Paul speaking in the book of Philippians to, of course, the church of Philippi. And he is saying to them very quickly, uh, hey, guys, I want you to be encouraged. You're stressing out. You're struggling a little bit. You're thinking about your future. You're wondering how you can get more money in your month. You're wondering how you're going to make that car payment, that rent payment, that mortgage payment maybe. Maybe things are going great financially. You're worried and you're stressed about the relationships that are around you. Maybe you're worried about your health. Maybe you're thinking a lot about your health. But Paul's telling him, I want you to be encouraged. And in fact, he goes on and he says to them, although you might be feeling overwhelmed and maybe even feeling a bit anxious, he tells them, that you, like me, can do anything, and here's the key, through Christ who strengthened you. See, the lie that we've been talking about, the enemy wants us to believe that we call the shakedown, is that you and I have to do it all ourselves. Have you ever gotten to the end of yourself? Have you ever gotten to the end of all of your strength? Have you ever gotten to the end of all of your wisdom? Have you gotten to the end of all of your mental capacity, emotional capacity? Have you just gotten to the end of your day and it's like you trip and fall into your door and you're just like, baby Jesus, give me a drink. This is real talk. Because you're gonna try to find something to bring peace. And anxiety is, is deep and anxiety is winning the war right now. And I would say globally, we're feeling overwhelmed. We're feeling anxious about things. And so I'm going to define real quickly what anxiety is. It's just distracting worry. It's distracting worry. Uh, distracting in the sense that all of your attraction, affection, and attention, all of your worth is being placed and directed toward the thing that you're worried about. And so I, I also want to tell you, if you're, if you're feeling anxious about something, if you're dealing or dealt with, or you know somebody's dealing with anxiety, I just want you to know something. This is a truth when it comes to anxiety. It's almost always rooted in a genuine concern. I'm not here to tell you to marginalize or to, to try to minimize a legitimate concern that you may be feeling in your life. I know every time I've ever dealt with anxiety in my life, it was, it was centered around a legitimate concern. The problem was, is that I was giving all of the worth, attention, affection, and attraction toward the problem. And so Paul knows this. So just before he says to his friends, hey, you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you, he gives this Advice, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. This is where we've been the last couple of weeks. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Today, the goal is peace. Today, the goal is that we would land in a place that you would understand the peace of God, what the peace of God is, rather than living in anxiety. We're going to do that and talk about three different uh, factors. Number one, we're going to go deep with Christ and we're going to commit to deciding. We're going to go deep and commit with Christ and we're going to commit to deciding. Number two, 
We're going to commit to repeating. And number three, we're going to commit to understanding. Let's talk first about making decisions. Number one, we're going to go deep and we're going to go deep with Christ and we're going to commit to deciding. Matthew 6, 34. I love this. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I remember there was a point in my wife and I's life where we were worrying about tomorrow. Have you ever worried about tomorrow? Have you ever worried about the 30, 39 things that could possibly happen between now and tomorrow? Um, can, can I tell you something that what this scripture right here is saying, it's actually saying that distracting worry over what could be in tomorrow that probably isn't even going to happen. I'm just, this is life experience talking. That the, this is what he's saying, distracting worry over what the what could be's of your tomorrow that probably aren't even going to happen are becoming wasteful and stopping you from making decisions about some what really is. Here's my point. Anxiety paralyzes to the point that it gets us in a state of putting off making decisions. Now, I know from, from experience that when I make the decision to actually put something off and not make a decision, that in reality, I'm making a decision. So I'm deciding to be avoidant. I'm deciding to not make that decision. And the problem is, the more that you have decisions building up and you're not making decisions about them, the more you develop what's called decision fatigue. This is a real thing. Decision fatigue happens when you and I have too many things that we're having to make decisions on at once. And anxiety puts us in a position where we're like, oh my gosh, I can't make a decision. But then another decision's coming down the, down the pipeline. This is life, right? It's like life doesn't quit. There's no app on your phone, no matter who, you, you know, whether you're an Android user, an Apple user. No one has developed this app to stop life from happening. So another decision is going to happen, but you didn't make a decision about the one decision that's sitting in front of you and you're feeling anxious and you're, oh, I'm paralyzed. Here comes another decision. Suddenly you have two decisions on your table. You're like, oh my gosh, what do I do with these two decisions? I don't know what I'm going to do with these decisions, but then here comes another decision. It just keeps coming. And you're just like, oh my God, the more I look, there's more decisions. And the more decisions I have now, I'm overwhelmed. And it's called, psychology has deemed this decision fatigue. Can I tell you that there is a large amount of society right now that's experiencing decision fatigue. We've had to make some really crazy decisions, haven't we? Like ones that we never thought. I never thought I would have to make a decision about that. And we feel overwhelmed. So it happens, so this anxiety ends up occurring simply because we're sitting on too many decisions to make. So I'm going to give you a tip. This is my experience in my life. This is what I've learned. Um, Here's my quick pro tip. This is my pro tip because I was a pro at anxiety. Listen, I'm I'm not happy to say that to you, but this is the truth. I was a pro at being anxious. I was a pro at panic attacks. And, and, and here, here's what I realized. that th- This is my pro tip. You, you can write this down if you want. This is probably good. I'm giving you time right now to get your pen or you can get your keyboard out or whatever you're doing. If you're driving, like, com- somehow commit this to memory. This is your pro tip. This is what I want you to do to get rid of this decision fatigue. And you got to make a decision. Begin with the hardest decision first. This is why I have found this works so well. When I get rid of the hardest decision, it frees up my mind 
because there's so much mind share being taken, then it makes it really easy for me to deal with these other things. Oftentimes, whatever the hardest decision is, has things attached to it that will change the way you're going to make decisions about the smaller things. So if, if you try to make decisions about the smaller things, you end up going, but I really need to wait until I know what's happening with this big hard thing. And it's like, well, then you need to make the decision about, just make the decision. I understand it's difficult, but you got to make it. The other thing that happens is we end up being avoidant. And so what, we tell ourselves this excuse, well, you know what? I'm, I'm just working on the small things first. No, you're not. You're procrastinating. Right? I knew a year ago, God was telling me that I need to do this and I didn't do it. So now I'm faced with the reality of I have to do it, but I'm going to work on the small things first. No, you're avoiding making the hard decision. Make the hard decision. Okay. Pro tip. The hardest decision that you're going to make. Now I'm going to tell you the hardest decision. I, now, practically speaking, you may have some decisions you need to make, but I'm going to tell you the hardest decision in life that you're going to make. It's who you're going to serve. You're either going to serve your anxiety or you're going to serve the person of peace named Jesus. And you have to make the decision, but you can't straddle the fence and think that that's going to be peaceful. Get a mental picture for a second of sitting on a, on a, on a chain link fence, straddling it. Does that seem comfortable? Make a decision. You know, the only way for you to get out of that uncomfortable position is to make a decision which side of the fence you're going to be on. And this morning, I want to tell you the hardest decision that you're going to be faced with in life is who you're going to serve. Because you're serving one or the other. You're making a decision one or the other. I, I love Joshua 24. This guy, Joshua, in the older part of the Bible, he says this. He says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. All of his heart. His heart isn't duplicitous. His heart isn't on one side of the fence and the other. He's not trying to serve two masters. He understands I need to serve God wholeheartedly. And listen to what he says. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. And, and check this out in verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you're going to serve. I'm actually presenting to you, you'd be better off just making the decision to serve Jesus or your problem. Is, is be, make one or the other. I'm not telling you you should serve your problem. I'm just telling you that sitting on the fence is going to really give you some saddle sores. Okay? You're going to have to seek other medical attention. Okay. So what happens is, is that anxiety starts getting, we get FOMO. Hey, what if there's a better solution for peace other than Jesus? Like what? Let's talk about them. Drugs? Sexual promiscuity? Making more money? Overeating. That got really quiet. It's in the Bible. Like, I was an eater. Right? So, how about spending money? These are all things that you and I make a choice to serve every single day as the idols of peace that Joshua is talking about. And we are going to give worth, attention, and affection. That is the definition of worship. We are going to give worth, attention, and affection to something. You are going to give it to something in your life. 
You're going to worship something. You're going to worship your worry or the person of peace. God is the only one who's prepared peace for you. I just want you to know that. I love in Lamentations 322 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Here's what I'm saying to you. You can decide to live in the mess the world prepares for us every morning because it's fresh every morning, the mess. Boy, right? I use Flipboard on, 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 I don't know if you guys know what that, it's like a new, I use Flipboard, I flip it over. I don't like, I don't have to get, there is a fresh buffet of junk, of a mess to give me a ton of anxiety, okay? So I can make the decision today. Are you going to serve, are you going to live in the mess and serve the mess? Or are you going to live in the mercies that God has for you? It's mess or it's mercies. And you and I have a choice. To say we don't have a choice isn't true. We have a choice. Make the decision today. Step number two, go deep with Christ and commit to repeating. Matthew, uh, this is Jesus. Uh, he's hanging out with his disciples. And I think uh, if you've never been in a boat with Jesus, because this is what his disciples were doing, fear not. I think you've probably felt this before if you've ever dealt with anxiety or, or deep distracting worry. He's hanging out with his disciples and they're on a boat and they're on this body of water and the disciples, they went and they woke Jesus up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. It's the language of anxiety, that imminent death. I can't pay my car payment. I'm gonna die. That perhaps today you have felt that drowning effect of worry and anxiety in your life and you're like in the boat. Maybe you're not in the boat with Jesus, but your perception is like, see, Jesus sleeps on you. But Jesus is the person of peace. Why was Jesus able to rest in the midst of the wind and the waves? Because he internalized peace. He, he had peace in him. So what does he do? I love this. He gets up, and I like to think of Jesus like this guy. He like, you know, you wake Jesus up like, bro, why are you sleeping? I'm, we're drowning. And he wakes up, and obviously they're not drowning. There's no holes in the boat. It's a little bit windy, and the waves are rocking the boat. And he wakes up. He's kind of like sleepy Jesus. He's like... And, and, and so this is, this is my movie. So just, he's like, why are you so afraid? You know, and the disciples are like, well, it's, it's windy. And there's waves. He goes, you guys have such little faith. Man, I feel like he just kind of nonchalantly like goes, gosh, it says he got up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. Like Jesus just goes, be calm. Dude, was it really that difficult, guys? I'm going to drown. Whatever. And he lays back down and he goes to sleep. This word little, little faith, Sometimes we think that little implies lack of quantity. 
uh, sometimes we think that what this is saying is, is you have such a limited amount of faith in your cup. Sometimes you think that what God is talking about when he speaks to us through this story, this real account of what happened with Jesus and disciples, sometimes we think that he's kind of putting us on blast for having a glass that's only half full of faith. But that's not at all what he's saying. This word little means lack of frequent application. What he's saying to you and I is this simple truth. That big outcomes require big commitments to repetitive application of whatever you have available. Uh, Okay, let me say it this way. Whatever you have in your glass, pour it out. And you're going to find, like, and Jesus is going to fill it back up. Okay, Let, let's say you're on the half, I'm the half full crowd. I only have a half full glass, pour it out. He's going to fill it back up halfway. And what are you going to do? Repeat it, pour it out again. He's going to keep filling, you just keep pouring it out. And you keep pouring whatever God has given you out. Right now, if you're dealing with like financial anxiety, can I just tell you, if all you have is $5 to pour out, pour it out. The more you try to white knuckle it, it doesn't work. It just, it does not work. God has so much for you if you would just be on repeat with it. He's like, you have little, disciples, you have such little faith. You, the problem is you stopped the application of believing in me. Now I got to wake up, deal with you fools. Talk to the wind and the waves. I'm going to drown. Jesus is our spiritual floaties. Think about this. You have been given something. Are you willing to pour it out? And are you willing to do it again and again and again and again? And you do it on repeat until what happens? The wind and the waves of your worry, they suddenly calm. Suddenly. But your suddenly is built on the successful repetitive action of pouring it out at Jesus' feet. And some of you are one step away from your suddenly. Pat, you don't understand. I've gone to Jesus 10 times about this. Uh, There's power in 11. Progress is made in the boundaries of consistency and frequency. Let me say this again. Some of you feel stuck. And progress is made within the boundaries. You need boundaries. And your boundaries are consistency and frequency. That I'm going to consistently come back to the feet of Jesus. I'm going to consistently come back to the feet of truth. And I'm going to do it frequently. How often am I going to do it? I'm actually not going to do it every single time I have a need. I'm going to do it as often as possible. I'm proposing to you that you don't exercise only when you need physical therapy, but as preventative maintenance for your health. I'm suggesting to you and I that part of our issue with anxiety is that we actually return to the feet of anxiety often and frequently and consistently 
but we only go to the feet of Jesus when our perception is the wind and the waves are going to drown us. And here's what I understand. The reason why we need to do this, again, this is my life experience. The reason we need to do this often and always is because your peace and my peace is being preyed upon. Satan does not want you and I to understand the truth of peace. He wants us to live in this anxiety-ridden perspective, mentality, paradigm where everything is sinking. The winds are going to blow the house down. Everything's falling apart. Here's what's crazy. Contrary to what you and I believe, here's the facts. The world is healthier, wealthier, and better off than ever in the existence of humanity. I did not say that we are without problem and struggle. But these are the facts. And so you and I, here's the battle. We, we need to return because our peace is being preyed upon. We're like, we're, we're always being told, when's the last time you turned on any media outlet? And 80% of it was the good news. And there's a few stories about some bad stuff happening. We're more informed than ever, but we're not better off. So we need to return often and always. Go deep with Christ and commit to repeating. Return often and always. Number three, go deep with Christ and commit to understanding. Philippians 4, 7, then you will experience God's peace. This is, this is Paul. He's speaking to them. He's like, hey, if you would pray, if you would do things, then you will experience God's peace. See, the whole goal is experiencing God's peace. And God's peace is this. It's blessing you receive from being in right posture. It, it, it's, it's not external calm. It's an internal calm. And here's what's so crazy about that. You can experience the peace of God with an internal peace, with an internal calm. And externally, everything is absolutely chaotic. And people come to you and they're like, hey, like, I don't get it. You're just so like, I... and, you, and you know what we do? Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, we, we feel like the, the necessity to have to answer this question very, like we're walking the, theologians. People are like, how do, you, how do you just look so peaceful in the midst of chaos? And you're like, well, let me tell you. And, and you know, but the best thing we can say is like, I don't know. The Bible says that I'm gonna experience peace that I actually am not gonna understand. See, we need to go deep with Christ and commit to understanding that we're not going to understand. Why? Because we can't understand. Like, we don't have the ability to understand the peace of God. Look, Philippians 4, 7 says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds, what does it say? Anything we can, operative word, 
can is you and I having the ability to do something. We don't even, this is what the saying, you and I don't even have the ability in our humanity to understand the peace of God. It's not that we refuse to, it's not, it's not that we're being misled, it's that we, we just can't. When we commit, though, to understanding that we don't understand, this is really what we're doing. We're committing to give God control. And our fight to understanding is really our fight for control. But when we finally just get to the place and we go, I'm going to go deep with Christ. I'm going to commit to understanding. I'm not going to understand. This is what we're doing. We're giving him control. And we're saying you can have everything. You can have it all which is the true sign of worship. Control is best in the hands of the one who can do the most with it. You want me to say that again? Control is best in the hands of the one who can do the most with it. Uh, if, I, if you were driving in a car right now, and something happened in that vehicle. And you had two passengers with you. One was a licensed driver and one was in a car seat. Who would you seek to put in control of the vehicle in that very moment? The one who is going to actually make the most of it. See, Scripture tells us in Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able, who, who is him? Jesus. You're in church, the answer is always Jesus. <laughs> now to him who is able to do what? He is able. I just want to stop there. He can. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us. Jesus' power is at work within us, but it's him who is able. So if I'm going to take control or give control, I'm going to make the decision to put control in the hands of the one who can do the most with it. And who is that? It's him who is able to do immeasurably more. Like, I don't even understand. I can't fathom. It, it doesn't even register in my brain. Like, there was a point in my life where I remember my, my wife and I, we, we were in a financial bind, and we knew that we were probably not being good with our finances, which is usually the case. Just FYI, get an FPU, okay? You learn some of that peaceful financial stuff. So we, we had $1,200 a month in car payments, because that's great. And, uh, but we looked good, and we felt great, right? And then I'm, we're kind of like, we should probably not. And then times hit, and it was tough. We just started the church, and she, my wife quit her job. And then I'm like, I'm self-employed. I'm going for it. And then sales, like, I don't know if you guys remember this, but 9-11, right? The Twin Towers fell, but so did my income. I made $180. I got two kids. We're like, oh, Jesus, here, you take control. Huh. <laughs> and we sold, we, one thing, we had to get rid of our cars. So I was like, God, can you just give me a car? I just need a car. Here's what I love about the one who is able to do immeasurably more. Do you know, we were like, we just need a car. Jesus, we had no car. My job was dependent on a car. But I was like, I know this is the right move. 
Got rid of the car. Hard decision, wasn't it? Make excuses, but I need that car. It's my job. And I need to look good because the customers need to look at me and think highly of me. (laughs) So we're like, Jesus, we need a car. He did immeasurably more. Do you know that we were given five cars? I was like, ha. God continues in our life to just prove his grace in our life by giving us vehicles. And, and there was no coincidence to me that God gave us five cars. You know five is the number of grace? This is what I feel like God's saying to you this morning, that there is a grace that he's given you if you're willing to actually commit to understanding you're not gonna understand and give him control, but you can never walk into the grace that he has for you. You can never actually get in the vehicle that he wants to move you from where you're stuck to where he wants you to be. If you do not make the decision, if you don't commit to making the decision today, if you don't put it on repeat, and if you don't commit to understanding, you're not gonna understand how he's gonna do it. God, I don't know how you're gonna do it. I can't ride the bus all the way to Orange County my job. He's like, no, I'm going to give you five cars. Why? I want to show you grace in your life to help you understand that whatever it is, I just want you to pour it out. Romans 11.33 It says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand. Impossible. It is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. This is talking about the way that God thinks and how he processes things, right? See, it's for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? Isn't that where like we get stuck sometimes in anxiety? We're like, God, we're coming to you and we're offering you advice. Okay? I'm telling you... (laughs) So I'm going to give you something practical. I, I, I really mean this. Some of us to deal with anxiety, some of you need to turn off the news. I, I, okay. Not because I agree or disagree, but because what's being... What your spirit is being assaulted with are not the thoughts of a living God. I'll say it this way. So Paul actually says to his friends, the Philippians, right after this, right after, don't worry, right after God's going to give you peace, right after thank him, right after pray. This is, this is what he says. I, I want, so I want us to understand what we need to be thinking about then so that we can gain some of the way that God thinks. And there's a peace that comes with this. There's a result in this. Philippians 4, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable. On what is right on what is pure and what's lovely and what's admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. There, 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 is, there are competing factors in your life and in my life pressing on us 
to fix our thoughts on the complete opposite of those. And I think what's happening is in all the chatter, there's so many voices in our heads and there's so many emotions pulling on our hearts. I think what we need to do is we need to shut some of the, I'm not saying being ignorant, I'm not saying not to be educated, but I just wanna say again, we are more informed than ever in the history of mankind and it is not making us better. It's not. We need to be informed by these things. What's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. And then I love what Paul says, keep putting into practice. What's he saying? That's the repeat. Keep doing it. Keep fixing your thoughts on these things. Keep applying this. He says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Where today maybe in your life? Ask yourself, where today are you lacking God's peace? And, and, and I want to say to some of you, your outside perspective, like your outside world might look amazing. But you're a mess inside. Your heart's in turmoil. You're struggling mentally and emotionally. And the anxiety is devastating. And we need to come back to the feet of truth. We need to come back to Jesus. We need to return I said last week that trust diminishes anxiety. Truth destroys it. And the truth that we need in our life is the truth of Jesus. And he is the truth. And so you have an opportunity this morning to go deep with Christ to make a commitment. If you're gonna serve him today, If you're going to lay everything down at his feet and be willing to give whatever it is you have into really understanding that you and I, 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 wish, I wish I could counsel you and tell you and lay your whole life out in front of you and tell you and give you understanding about why. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why you went through the things you went through. I can't tell why you're sitting in the circumstances you are now. There's practical things we could talk about, but I, I have to, I don't understand. I don't understand the way that God is going to work. But I do understand that we can do these things. And you can have freedom. You can experience the peace of God. This unexplainable immeasurable peace in your life even when things are falling apart around you. Join me in standing this morning. If you feel comfortable doing so, just close your eyes. Yeah.
if you have felt stuck, you've been straddling these two worlds of anxiety, you've been straddling these two worlds of focus, distracting worry on a problem, and trying to run to Jesus, and you're, you're stuck on the fence. This makes a lot of sense to you, and it's uncomfortable, and you, you don't want to be stuck any longer. Right now is your opportunity to make a decision. Wherever it is you're not experiencing peace right now, I just, I just ask the person of peace, Jesus, would you come right now, right in the middle of it all? Find your way right in the middle of our mess. Right in the middle of our mess, you're going to bring new mercies. It's your promise. You do it every single morning. If this is you, if you've been struggling with this, it's okay. And I want to tell you that it's oftentimes a process. In fact, I would not have presented to you that we need to lay these things down as often as possible if we weren't going to continue to run into life and struggle and trouble. If you need to experience that peace that I'm talking about and you're stuck, I want you to raise your hand. It's okay. Raise it high. Yeah, it's okay. We just have some some people that's gonna they're actually already praying for people. <laughs> so if you keep your hand up, we just have some of our our team just praying, and they're just gonna begin to pray for you. And it might even be quietly somewhat silently, they're just going to begin to pray for you. And I'm going to pray right now, though, in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we just pray that we're releasing the God of peace over every single heart right now, Um, that you may not even have to say a word right now, but what you're experiencing, some of you are, 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 I I really mean this, are tangibly experiencing a physical manifestation, a feeling inside, like your heart. You can feel it. There's something manifesting. If you're feeling that, if something physically is manifesting as someone's just praying for you, they just have their hand on you, just say yes to it. I just want you to know that's just the goodness of God. It's the presence of a living God. It's the person of peace, Jesus. And maybe this is the first time you've ever experienced that, but this, this is what peace feels like. And you haven't felt this in a long time. Some of you have been distraught, struggling to find peace, and you've turned to a lot of different things. And today you know that it's time to give those things up. It's time for you to walk away from those addictions, from those those, uh, wrong lanes that are not delivering. They're not giving you the peace that you need. It's time to lay it down. For some of you, I really, I, I, I sense this. Some of you need to physically, like some of you might even have things on your person that, are, that are, you're attached to, that you utilize as a form of peace, whether it be paraphernalia or something. And I'm gonna encourage you that God is calling you right now to return to him, but to also lay those things down. And if you're bold enough, I would encourage you to come and lay those things down right now, right here in the front. Just lay them down. Just say, I'm gonna get rid of them. But I am not, I am not gonna pursue peace in this mode any longer.
I am not gonna pursue peace in a fashion that leaves me addicted and leaves me having to come back to a mess. I want to experience the mercy and the goodness of God. Anxiety, you have no place here. Not in this family, not in one heart, not in one home, not in one car that's listening right now, not in one workplace, not in one living room, not in one bedroom. You, anxiety, you have no place. I'm gonna speak what's true and what's honorable, what's worthy of praise. And God, you are worthy of praise. Your promises are worthy of praise. And so God, I speak in accordance with those things. I say no to anxiety, the lies of anxiety. God, we continue, we will do this as often as we have to, week in and week out, God, I speak against depression. I speak against anxiety that has you paralyzed. Some of you, some of you are doing your very best to get up in the morning and get out of the house. Um, there, there's, there's at least one woman here, um, I, I really feel like one female, who um, has a job you think that your job is your source of anxiety, but it's not. But what's happening is, is that you're, you're having trouble even getting out of the house to go to work. And, and it's straining you and it's stressing you, but it's also compounding the problem. And so I just want to speak against that right now. If that's you, do not leave here without getting prayer. No more covering up. So I'm just going to pray in general over us. There's lots of ministry happening in the room. There's tears, there's embrace. We have adults praying for you. We have our youth team in the room ministering and praying for you. So the hand that you feel, that you feel the peace of God is probably not an adult. And there's something powerful in you knowing what I just said. God, we're willing to sit. Your peace is overwhelming. We just want your presence, God. We want the presence of a peaceful God, Lord Jesus. God, I pray right now for the nation of Afghanistan. You're a God of the people of Afghanistan. You're the God of humanity. Lord, I just pray over that nation right now. God, I don't ask and pray for a, a political revival. I, I'm praying for a spiritual revival. Right now, in the name of Jesus, that the, um, the houses right now that are being blistered with anxiety and fear, God, right now that your presence and your peace would show up, God, that we would see miraculous, miraculous moves. Lord, the investment that we personally have as a church into that region, 
Lord, that we press in to saying that you're a God of every nation, every tribe and every tongue, that you have a purpose for Afghanistan. You have a purpose for that nation. Lord, we just, we, we call honor and glory and power of your kingdom right now into the middle of everything going on there. Yeah. Because you are a God who loves the people of Afghanistan and you love the people of the United States and you love the people of all of Asia. And, and, and Lord, it's, it's, it's our heart cry to see your peace, internal peace in the midst of struggle be made known. Come on, we ask for more. We're willing to wait. We're willing to trust. So Lord, today, God, I feel like I feel like we haven't given you enough. I know you're pleased, Lord Jesus, when we just pour our lives out. that the rest of our day and our tomorrow would be full of making the decision to come to your feet and giving you control again and again and again. Lord, and I am waiting to rejoice in your suddenlies.